Tonight, we're going to talk about the power of Jesus. We're going to talk about the power of Jesus. When Jesus was walking on this earth, there were many times that he did things that were completely out of the ordinary and impossible for a normal human being to do. And he displayed the full power of God and did many miracles, did many wonders and signs and changed people's lives through the power that he had. As we would expect God manifests in the flesh to have, (laughs) the God that created all of us. So what were some of the things that Jesus did? Well, we'll go through a list, but... And we'll build something from this. Jesus revealed thoughts and hearts of men, of mankind. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, he went right to the very root of what was inside of them. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 1 um, talks about Jesus entering into a ship and passing over and coming into his own city. And they brought To him, a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed, and Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Your sins are forgiven you. And that was something that the scribes and the Pharisees would look at and say, Whoa, hang on a minute. (laughs) This is just a man. Well, not quite true. And behold, certain of the scribes sent within themselves, This man blasphemes. He's making himself out to be God. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore, think ye evil in your hearts. For whether it is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on the earth to forgive sins. Then says he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. Jesus revealed the hearts, the minds, the thoughts of the scribes at that time. Matthew 12 and 22 um, starts off, Then was brought unto Jesus, one possessed with the devil, blind and dumb, and he healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, Is not this the son of David? When the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doesn't cast out devils, but by Beelzebub, the prince of the devils. And Jesus knew their thoughts. And said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. Then further down in verse 33, he's still talking um, to the Pharisees, basically, and, and he gets, gets a bit deeper and says, Either make the tree good and his fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and his fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by his fruit. O generation of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. He was getting right down to the core, the deep parts of them that were wrong, that were twisted, that were unable to recognize Jesus for who he really was. He did it for the rich young ruler as well. There was a man that came and said, what can what what I need to do that I I I can inherit, inherit eternal life? And Jesus went through the commandments with him, and he said, "Master, I've observed all of these from my youth." And Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, "One thing you lack. 
Go your way. Sell whatever you have. Give to the poor and you shall have treasure in heaven and come take up the cross and follow me. And he was sad at that saying and went away grieved for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked round about and said to his disciples, how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God. And Jesus answered them again, children, how hard is it for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. He knew what was inside the heart of that young man. He knew that he was trusting in his riches more than he was trusting in God, more than he was able to follow God and, and, and lay it all aside to actually get something better, to get the inherit, inherit the eternal life that he really desperately wanted but wasn't willing to go the distance to get. So what's another thing that showed the power of Jesus? He healed the sick. He healed the leper. He healed many diseases among the people. Matthew 4.23 says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. There's another verse that talks about Jesus healing everybody that followed him at one particular point in time in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 15. Jesus went around healing many, many sick folk. He healed lepers. There's the uh, outstanding story of the 10 lepers that were healed where 10 lepers came and, and said, Master, have mercy on us to Jesus. And Jesus said, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. But only one came back and fell down on his face before Jesus and worshipped him. And he received complete wholeness from, the, from his faith, from his faith. And so Jesus healed. Jesus cleansed. Jesus did many, many things that were impossible for a normal human being to do. He healed the blind, the lame, the dumb, the deaf, withered hands, crooked backs, many, many different physical issues he healed. Not just diseases, not just sickness, but those that were, had things wrong in their bodies, he healed. Blind Bartimaeus. And Mark 10, 46 says, And they came to Jericho, and he went out of Jericho with his, with his disciples and a great number of people. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of Nazareth, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. Just makes me think about today. Many people, if they were told that to hold their peace, probably would have. But this man desperately needed something. This man desperately needed something from God. He, he needed a healing. He, he wanted to go past what people were telling him. He wanted to go past what the crowd wanted him to do. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried out the more a great deal, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort. Rise, he calls you. And he, casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, what would you that I should do unto you? And the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. 
And Jesus said unto him, Go your way, your faith has made you whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. There was a man with a withered hand in the temple one Sabbath, and Jesus came and healed him. There was a lady with a crook back. There were blind, lame. There was someone who he anointed his eyes um, with, with mud and told him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. There was a man who was lame and, and was at the pool of Bethesda. And on and on and on, Jesus came into lives and situations healing the physical ailments that they needed. Jesus cast out demons when he was walking on this earth. There was a man from Gadarenes in Luke chapter 8, verse 26. And they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And and when he went forth to land, they met him out of the city, a certain man which had devils long time and didn't wear any clothes, neither abode in any house, but in the tombs. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell down before him and with a loud voice said, what have I to do with you, Jesus, you son of the most, uh, son of God most high? I beseech you to torment me not, for he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him. And he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. We're talking about someone who would be locked up under maximum security today in, in a lunatic house. But that wasn't, it wasn't because he was lunatic, but it was because... He was demon-possessed. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And so Jesus let them go into a herd of swine, and the herd of swine couldn't handle the devils being in, so they ran down and basically drowned themselves in the sea. Then... When they that, that fed those swine saw what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city in the country. Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. It didn't matter how many devils, how many demons, how many evil spirits were in this man, the power of Jesus was greater. And that was not the only time that, that demons and devils were cast out through the power of Jesus. Jesus raised the dead. There was a widow of Nain who basically there was a funeral procession, a procession, and there was a boy um, or a man who uh, had died. And basically his mother was a widow and she was weeping behind this beer as, as they carried it. And Jesus went, he touched the, the beer and he, he basically raised up the boy from the dead. And then there's Lazarus, who was three days in the tomb, who Jesus came and raised him from the dead. Death was not an obstacle to Jesus. Death was not something that was final for the power of Jesus. Jesus made bitter enemies friends. There were two... um, uh, authorities um, in, well, more than two authorities, but in this particular account, there was Pilate and there was Herod. Both of them interrogated Jesus before his crucifixion. Pilate was a Roman. He was, he was there. He was there to judge. He was a Roman judge. He, 
he had a lot of power and control. And Herod was an Edomite whose ancestors had converted to Judaism. He was kind of on the Jew side. And Luke 23 and verse 11 says, And Herod with his men of war set him at naught and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. So Pilate had, had looked at him, investigated him, found that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, sent him to Herod. Herod interrogated him and then just mocked him and sent him back to Pilate. And because both of them realized that there was nothing worthy of death done that Jesus had ever said or done in the time that he walked on this earth. And the same day, Pilate and Herod were made friends together. For before they were in an enmity between themselves. They, 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 were, they were loggerheads. They, they, took, they, they basically um, loved um, pulling each other down. They, 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 were, they were enemies. But Jesus, the power of Jesus made them friends. Jesus brought salvation to those that he met. There was the account of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a little man, and he was also a publican, a tax collector. And he wanted to see Jesus, but he couldn't get to him through the crowds, so he climbed a tree. And Jesus came to that tree and said, I need to, uh, I need to dine with you today. And when he dined with Jesus, then something changed in Zacchaeus. He, he wanted to, to see Jesus. He just wanted to know a little bit about him. He wanted to know a little bit more about who he was. But when he met him, when he spent some time with him, something changed. He said, I'm going to restore every man um, that I've, I've wronged fourfold. He was, doing, he was saying, I'm going to do things right according as the law has commanded me. And what did Jesus say? He said, this day is salvation come to this house for so much as he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That was Jesus' mission. He wanted to come and seek and save. He reached out to the Pharisees, trying to get them to understand where they were at, but they refused him. He reached out to the, 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 the lowest of the low, and he wanted to bring salvation to people's lives. And then... Jesus' very last act, there was a thief that was hanged on one of the crosses next to him. And one of the malefactors, one of the thieves, was you hanged railed on him saying, If you be Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him saying, He came to realization that, hey, this, this man hasn't done anything wrong. He doesn't deserve to be here. And saying, don't you fear God seeing you're in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, he realized He's wrong. He knew that he was a sinner. He knew that he deserved what he was getting right at this particular point in time. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he came said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He knew it was all over for him. There was nothing he could do. He couldn't go to the, the, the temple and, and, and repent. He couldn't do any of the things that the law had called him. His, his last moments were today. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto you, Today you shall be with me in paradise. Jesus brought salvation to those who would hear him. And Jesus set in place 
being filled with the Holy Ghost. He talked to his disciples about a comforter that was going to come after him. He talked to his disciples about, about um, and then he basically for, foreshadowed when he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive you the Holy Ghost in John chapter 20 and verse 22. Jesus knew what was going to come after. Jesus knew that without, without the power of God, without Jesus himself living inside of people, that we weren't going to be able to walk. We weren't going to be able to, to walk this walk or follow Jesus or, or please him in any way. There needed to be something greater. There's needed to be something more powerful. And so we get to the church age. There are many people who would discount, who would say, well, you know, Jesus came and he did these incredible things, and, but, you know, he died. Well, yes, he did die, but there was a purpose in his death. There was something that needed to happen. There were sins that needed to be forgiven. There, were, there was a way that needed to be made for mankind to be able to come and follow Jesus in righteousness and purity and holiness. God had set in place salvation all the way through the Old Testament, and God wanted to bring in something that was going to be more powerful, more effective, greater, and, and greater in people's ability to rise above sin and to walk in holiness. The power of Jesus was not diminished in the church age. The fact that Jesus was no longer walking amongst the people and doing miracles and wonders and signs did not make one difference. Jesus gave his power to the church. And Jesus even, even said, greater works than these shall you do in John chapter 14, saying that, you know, I've done miracles, I've done wonders, I've done signs, but you're going to do something greater through my power. And so the, the church age is not diminished. The power of Jesus is not diminished when the church came into place. So in the church age, Jesus was still revealing the thoughts and hearts of men. Simon the sorcerer, when Philip went um, to the Samaritans and he preached to them, the entire city came and and uh, and and were were saved. Um, and Simon was a man who would use witchcraft to actually bewitch and to get people to believe that he was a great one of God. But after that, um, the apostles came and prayed for them to receive the Holy Ghost. And what happened was that Simon saw what happened when people were filled with the Holy Ghost. He saw the power of Jesus. He saw the power of people entering people's lives and the changes and the ability to, to rise above sin. And, and he saw that and he said, I want that. And so he offered them money to, uh, to get that same power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 18, sorry, 8 and verse 18. But Peter said unto him, Your money perish with you because you have thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. You have neither part nor light in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I perceive 
that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. God, Jesus was revealing people's hearts once more. There was nothing, there was no difference between Jesus and his ministry and the power that Jesus had given the church. There was healing the sick and lepers. Um, in Acts chapter 5 and 14, there's a great time of great revival and believers were the more added to the Lord multitudes, both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks and them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. The power of Jesus still healed the blind, the lame, the dumb, the deaf, and, and all of the physical issues that they came against. There was the man at the gate beautiful where Peter and John went up to the temple at the time of prayer and there was a man who had been lame from his birth, just laid there. And one thing came to another. They came talking. He asked of them um, arms, some, some money to help him live. And Peter talked to him and the end result was that he was healed of his lameness. He was healed of being unable to walk. And he went into the temple worshipping, praising God. And that's not the only account. I'm not trying to bring an exhaustive list of everything that happened in the church age. But I just want us to understand something tonight. The power of Jesus was still there to cast out demons. There was a girl with a spirit of divination who um, Sister Katerina talked about this morning, who followed around Paul and Silas. And eventually Paul got sick of it. There was free advertising there for a while. He... he he, uh, he, he basically um, held on for a while with all this free advertising. But then he, he, he came to a point where he was grieved and then rebuked the spirit and it came out of her. And she was unable to um, tell the future anymore. Then there were handkerchiefs from the Apostle Paul and God in Acts 19 and verse 11. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul so that from his body were brought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons and the diseases departed from them and the evil spirits went out of them. Jesus was still raising the dead. Um, There was uh, in Acts 9 and 36, now there was a jopper, a certain disciple named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas, the woman was full of good works and alms deeds, which she did. She died. She became sick and she died. And they called um, for Peter. Peter went and they basically showed everything that they'd done. They were all weeping. But Peter put them all forth and he kneeled down, he prayed, and he turned to the body and said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had presented called the saints and widows, presented her alive. The power of Jesus was not restricted from the church. Jesus wanted the church to have power, his power. The power of Jesus still made bitter enemies friends. You see, when the church age came, God made it very clear that he didn't want just Jews in the church. But he also wanted all who would come. 
not just Jews, but also Gentiles. Now, the Jews and the Gentiles, they hated each other. And in Ephesians chapter 2, it goes through from verse 11, talking about how that, that this church, um, the Ephesian church, they were Gentiles and they were the uncircumcised. They, they were treated as nothing by the Jews. But he talked about Jesus Christ where has made us close, all who were afar off, all who were um, in, in hate of each other, who were putting down each other, who didn't care about each other, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. There was an enmity, there was a hatred between these two peoples. And it talks about in whom all the building, the building of the church, all who would come, the Jews, the Gentiles, there was no difference between the Jews and the Gentiles in the church. Whom all the building, fitly framed together, groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. That was God's plan, that there would be all nations, there would be all peoples together, coming and worshipping God with one voice, with one spirit. And, well, the spirit of Jesus, the power of Jesus was still there to bring salvation. All through the book of Acts, we read about people getting saved. We read about the Roman centurion in Acts chapter 10, um, where God sent an angel to him, and, and God spoke very strongly to um, Peter through a vision and bringing him to actually um, talk to the centurion. He would never have done that. He would never have gone to eat with them. He would never have gone into their house normally. But this was a God thing. And so God brought salvation to this Roman centurion's house. And many times there's the jailer, there's um, the the thousands on the, the, the day of Pentecost the power of Jesus was not restricted to save people. Filling with the Holy Ghost. Well, in Acts chapter 2, in verse 38, it says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. God never meant it to be a once-off thing. God never meant it just to be for that particular church age until they died out. God never meant it to be for just the early day church, the Holy Ghost and the power and His power. God never meant things just to fall away after that. But there are many who believe that Speaking in tongues was only for the early church. For many who believed that the power of God was only for the early church. That was something just to get the church off the ground. And now we, we're just, you know, I guess moving along like dead people or something. But God wanted us to have life. God wanted us to have power. God has been moving through the, the church all down through the ages. There is nothing limited to the power of God from the early church until now. We just need to have the faith and realize that the power of Jesus is still with us today.
what happens in the modern day? Is the power of Jesus still present? Well, yes. He still reveals thoughts and hearts of men. Sermons over the pulpit. How many times have you been in the, in the church and something has been preached that's just for you? And you can feel, whether you, you acknowledge it or not, you, 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 you realize that God is trying to get a hold of you and, and, and tugging at your heart and, and, and speaking to you exactly where you are at. You still have the choice of whether to say, well, I know that's God, I'm going to respond, or to say, well, you know, maybe some other time. But Jesus reaches out. He knows our hearts. He knows our thoughts. He knows everything that we are doing. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 17 and verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I try the reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. We, we don't know our own hearts. Our own hearts can deceive us. Our own hearts want to go our own way. But when we come into the presence of Jesus, when we hear the word being preached over the pulpit, when we read his word, we, we get that quickening. We, we get Jesus starting to speak to us. The power of God, the power of Jesus is still present to reveal the hearts and the minds of people today. Jesus still heals the sick, the leper, any disease today. We hear reports from all around the world and many, many different situations of Jesus still healing in the church. There's healing the sick. I know that Jesus has healed me personally of um, Barmaphorus virus, um, mosquito-borne virus. I, I had it um, put me back, uh, flat on my back for, for, um, for over three months. Um, I, I might sometimes go to church. It would wipe me out. I might sometimes go for a short time down to the shopping center. Uh, would wipe me out for days afterwards. I was um, hoping, you know, to, to start getting back to work, but it just wasn't possible under my own power. I was under under this the, the effects of this virus, and I could not bring myself out. I had prayer at church, but nothing seemed to change. And then one time I asked Brother Jacobson, my pastor, to pray for me, and God healed me at that very, very instant. There was a change in my body. I could feel it, and I could feel the strength starting to return more and more and more until I became normal again. After that, I came down with chronic fatigue twice, and Jesus healed me both times. I'm telling you that the power of Jesus is not restricted back to the early day church. It's not restricted back to when Jesus walked this earth, but the power of Jesus is in the church today and now. Jesus still heals the blind, the lame, the dumb, the deaf, and many physical issues. He's not restricted in that way at all. And once again, we hear of many accounts from across the world where Jesus has healed, where Jesus has healed many things. I know, I remember from my youth, um, Brother Paul Nightingale, now the pastor of the Townsville Church, was inflicted. He was a, a, a quite a young man with arthritis. Um, and he 
was was um, one of the ushers, and he took up the the tithes and offerings with with agony, and and he just did everything with agony. But then Jesus healed him, and it's never, never come back again. That arthritis completely gone, and Jesus, that's the power of Jesus, and that's just one example of the modern day. Put your hand up if you have had a physical healing by Jesus. Yeah. Most of us, the power of Jesus is not limited. And what about sickness, if you've been healed of sickness? Yep. The power of Jesus is not restricted. Jesus still casts out demons today. (laughs) Many accounts, many accounts. But I want to go a bit more personal. My dad was demon-possessed. And then he started coming to church. And we didn't know. (laughs) We had no idea. But, and then he started to respond to to the Word of God. He came down to the altar and they were praying with him to get the Holy Ghost. And then suddenly they stopped praying for him to get the Holy Ghost and they started to rebuke the demon that was in him. And the demon came out in, in a physical way. Brother, um, Brother Glass was song leading at the time and, he, and basically he saw something fly past him um, and out the window. In, and he, he did it with force, so he almost got knocked off the platform. Um, it went past him with such force. And my dad was delivered of demons then. He was filled with the Holy Ghost not too long after. I'm telling you that the power of Jesus is still present in the church today. Jesus still raises the dead today. I know that there have been accounts, I think, um, three times God used Brother John Henderson in the outback among the Aboriginal people where God raised the dead three times. And, and uh, it's, not, it's not just there. It happens around the world as God sees fit. God still makes bitter enemies friends in this modern day and age. When I was thinking about making bitter enemies friends, my mind went to an account that I had heard previously, and it's something quite miraculous and powerful. The first Christmas day in World War One. And I've taken this from an article in Time magazine. On a crisp, clear morning 100 years ago, thousands of British, Belgian and French soldiers put down their rifles, stepped out of their trenches and spent Christmas mingling with their German enemies along the Western Front. In the 100 years since, this event has been seen as a kind of miracle, a rare moment of peace just a few months into a war that would eventually claim over 15 million lives. Pope Benedict the XV 15th, who took office that September, had originally called for a Christmas truce, an idea that was officially rejected. Yet it seems the sheer misery of daily life in the cold, wet, dull trenches was enough to motivate troops to initiate the truce on their own. They didn't, they weren't ordered to, It wasn't something that was agreed between the two sides. This is just something that was done on their own. 
which means that it's hard to pin down exactly what happened. A huge range of differing oral accounts, diary entries and letters home from those who took part make it virtually impossible to speak of a typical Christmas truce as it took place across the Western Front. To this day, historians continue to disagree over the specifics. No one knows where it began or how it spread or if by some curious festive magic it broke out simultaneously across the trenches. Nevertheless, some two-thirds of troops, about 100,000 people, are believed to have participated in the legendary truce. Most accounts suggest the truce began with carol singing from the trenches on Christmas Eve, a beautiful moonlit night, frost on the ground, white almost everywhere, as Private Albert Moran of the 2nd Queen's Regiment recalled in a document later rounded up by the New York Times. Graham Williams of the 5th London Rifle Brigade described it in even greater detail. First, the Germans would sing one of their carols and then we would sing one of ours until when we started, O come, started up, O come, all ye faithful, the Germans immediately joined in singing the same hymn to the Latin words, Adest Fidelis. And I thought, well, this really is a most extraordinary thing. Two nations both singing the same carol in the middle of a war. The next morning, in some places, German soldiers emerged from their trenches calling out, Merry Christmas in English. Allied soldiers came out warily to greet them. In others, Germans held up signs reading, You no shoot, we no shoot. Over the course of the day, troops exchanged gifts of cigarettes, food, buttons and hats. The Christmas truce also allowed both sides to finally bury their dead comrades, whose bodies had lain for weeks on no man's land, the ground between the opposing trenches. The phenomenon took different forms across the Western Front. One account mentions a British soldier having his hair cut by his pre-war German barber. Another talks of a pig roast. Several mention impromptu kickabouts with makeshift soccer balls. Although, contrary to popular legend, popular legend it seems unlikely that there were any organised matches. I don't know of any other war where there was a spontaneous truce. I don't know of any other war at a time when we celebrate Jesus' birth. At a time when we celebrate the one who has had the biggest power and effect on the world and in bringing in the church and in, and in, in, in making a way for people sins to be removed. I don't know of any other account of anything where truce just spontaneously broke out. That is the power of Jesus. And not only that, we have many different nationalities in our church today. Many nationalities who would hate, naturally hate others. Many who are at loggerheads. Many who would fight and war and, and, and just want to, to destroy the other, or the other nationalities simply through the things of the past, things that have happened, wars that have taken place, disagreements. But we all come to Jesus. We all come under one body. We all come to Jesus and he is still freeing people. He's still freeing the, the, the things of the past. He's still freeing us from our past and the way that we used to be, the way we were brought up to hate others. Jesus has called us to love. And the power of God 
The power of Jesus is not limited to bring salvation. Millions of people across the world. I looked up our UPCI, um, United Pentecostal Church International website, and it says this about just our organization. UPCI has been among the fastest growing church organizations since it was formed in 1945 by the merger of, of two different Pentecostal churches. Um, from 521 churches in 1945, the UPCI has grown to more than 42,000 churches, including preaching points, 41,000 credentialed ministers, and 5.1 million constituents worldwide. The UPCI currently has a presence in 195 of the world's 210 nations, as well as 35 territories. You see, Jesus is still saving today. We see, Jesus is still saving by the, his word. The same plan of salvation that was set out on the day of Pentecost, the same plan of salvation that the, 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 the early church followed, the same plan of salvation still saves people today, that plan of salvation that we preach. And it's not limited in power. And the power of Jesus is not limited to fill with the Holy Ghost in this day and age. Many would say that the Holy Ghost speaking in tongues, the initial evidence of speaking in tongues was only for the early church. Well, that is a lie. Because how many people here have been filled with the Holy Ghost? Yeah. The power of Jesus is not limited. If I could get someone to the piano, please. Why have I gone through these three different ages when Jesus was walking on the earth? the early church in the book of Acts, and modern day. Well, I wanted to prove to you that the power of Jesus is not diminished today. We're not living off the last dregs of Jesus' power before he returns. He still has all power and authority over this world. He still has the ability to change lives. He still has the ability to make a difference in our lives. He still has the ability to heal us, whatever we need. He still has the ability to come into our situations and, and, and just make a difference. You know, Jesus made a difference in situations. The disciples were on the sea. The water was coming in. There was a storm. And, and, and Jesus came and he stilled the waters. They were going to drown. They knew. They were fishermen. But he changed their situation in an instant. And Jesus has done the same thing to many of us in this place. We might have been on our last legs, but Jesus came in. And I want to tell you tonight that if you're on your last legs tonight, the power of Jesus has not. <laughs> the power of Jesus has not gone from the church. The power of Jesus has not gone from this place. The power of Jesus has not gone from your lives. I want to build up our faith tonight. I want us to realize that nothing is limited in the church. We, we can still see the same miracles. We can still see the blind, the lame. We can still see our sicknesses, our, our 
everything that troubles us, we can still see Jesus make a difference, heal, remove, cast out demons, raise the dead, those who are on their last legs, make bitter enemies friends. If you have a disagreement with anyone in the church, Jesus wants to take that away. If you haven't been filled with the Holy Ghost, Jesus wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost tonight, not just any any time or sometime in the future. Jesus wants to heal you tonight. His power is not limited. Jesus is in this place. And so I invite you to come to the altar. If you have a need, if you have something that you have not been able to overcome, you know, the Bible talks about sin being, or leprosy being a, a, a type of sin. If you, Jesus still heals up us today. Jesus still lifts up out of sin those that have been bound with sin. Sin brings bondage. Sin brings an inability to raise yourself up. But if you find yourself in sin, the power of Jesus is not limited to actually bring you out, to lift you up, to make you completely free and whole again. So I invite you to come. If you've got any need, if you need to be prayed for, come to the altar. If you need to to get healing in your body tonight, come to the altar. If you want a difference in your life, come to the altar. His power is not limited.